love God, love others, and serve the world. And play the French horn. Lift your hands up and shout. <laughs> Live, love, love. Over 350 youth and adults serving in our community throughout the Metroplex, 29 different work teams. It was a tremendous week, United Mission Week. If you had any part, if you played any part in United Mission Week and you're here today, would you please stand so we can uh, affirm your service? These kids over here, thank you, thank you, thank you. It takes a ton of people to do what they did this, this week, and it was a tremendous, tremendous week. Thank you for all, all of you uh, praying for them this week uh, as they served and worshiped and, and shared life together. It was, it was really, really tremendous. Thank you for being here on this Independence Day weekend. I know your presence here uh, on a holiday weekend is an intentional decision. You could be preparing for your barbecue or out on the lake, but you're here, and that warms a pastor's heart, because this is one of those weekends where where every pastor in America is thinking, I'm just going to preach to my wife this weekend, or, my, you know, it's, the, no one's going to be here. So thank you for coming. Uh, I, that's a testament to your faith that you have chosen to be here uh, with us on this weekend. If we have not met, my name is David, and I serve as a senior pastor here. And again, we're so glad you're here, especially if you're a guest uh, with us today. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. If you didn't bring your Bible, uh, there's a blue Bible in the seat pocket in front of you. You'll find John 9 on page 6. 1664 uh, in that blue Bible. And if you're here today and you don't have a Bible, but you would like to begin a journey with the Scriptures, we'd love to bless you with one of those. If you'll stop by our connecting point after the service, we have some Bibles that we have prepared for you as our gift. But this is where we're going to be today uh, in our message today, John chapter 9. Again, you can find that on page 1664. Before we dive in, I want to say thank you again to everyone who was here last weekend. Uh, you may not know, but last weekend we celebrated uh, Mike and Rhonda Ramsdale and their 21 years of service here uh, to our church family. It was a tremendous, tremendous celebration. My seven-year-old son was actually at grandma and grandpa's house last weekend. We called him after church, and we said, how was church? He went to church with them down there in Houston, and he said, good, you know, because he's seven. That's about all he says on the phone. I said, well, how long was church? And he said, it was about an hour. And I said, well, we did it twice as good as you did, because uh, we were here for two hours. It was a great celebration. We worshiped and fasted together over the course of those two hours. Uh, but thank you to all those who participated. It was a great blessing to Mike and Rhonda. I've gotten several messages from him this week just expressing that again. Uh, we also, because of your generosity, were able to give him as a gift uh, a brand new Honda Accord. Uh, and, and if you don't know, Mike's philosophy on cars is show up to the lot and buy the cheapest thing you can find. So previously at a Honda Fit, so like, you know, that little box car that he kind of squeezed his body in. So the, uh, he sent me a message this week that said, I still can't believe this is my car. <laughs> so thank you for that. It was a great, great celebration. You know, it was, it was not only a celebration of the last 21 years, but there was a theme present through everything that was shared. The dignitaries that were here, Mike's words to you, and, and what I shared as well. And it, it was this thought uh, that God is not done doing amazing things. 
Uh, God is not done doing amazing things in Mike's life and Mike's ministry. He's stepped into his new role and uh, w- what God is going to do in his, uh, his leadership role that he's now stepping into, it, it's going to be amazing. I, I guarantee you that. And God's not done doing amazing things here in the life of this church. You just saw some expressions of that. And our kids going out in the community and serving and blessing others. Another expression of that today that I'm excited to share with you is that Pastor Jim Connor is about halfway up on the left side. Wave your hand, Jim. Jim's joining our staff as of today as our executive pastor. Uh, So please welcome him. After the service, I'd love for you to come by the atrium, shake his hand, welcome him here to First Methodist Mansfield. Jim has served as the senior pastor at Genesis United Methodist Church in Southwest Fort Worth, a great church here uh, in our conference for the last 12 years. He served at First Methodist Fort Worth uh, before that, and then before that, he came to us by way of the Northern Illinois Annual Conference. He is a native of Chicago, uh, a pastor's kid like me, so that's another connection that we have. He's from the south side of Chicago, okay? That's, I, I was told that's really important uh, if you know Chicago, south side. Now, here's what that means. That means that he is not a Cubs fan, okay? That means that he is a White Sox fan, okay? So, south side, White Sox. Here's why that's important. The White Sox are terrible. So, he poses no threat to the Rangers. Uh, if he was a Cubs fan... Might be a little nervous, you know, World Series, I don't know. But well, White Sox, and, and Jim has assured me, if the White Sox are not playing, he's rooting for the Rangers. So, so that's, he's got that going for him as well. Here's the other thing that, that I want you to know about Jim. Uh, he loves Mountain Dew. So if you want to bless Jim uh, like we did, this is what we put in his office uh, on, uh, uh, for, for his first day. He's got plenty of Mountain Dew, plenty of caffeine to, to keep up with us here at, at First Methodist Mansfield. Last night, I shared that same joke about the White Sox, and we had a third grader who was here who was taking notes during the message. And I want to just show you what she, if you can't see this, uh, God is not done doing amazing things. White Sox are terrible baseball players. (laughs) And then the last thought, Jesus heals the blind. We'll get to that in just a minute. So this is this, if you need to leave early, this is the summary, okay, of, of the message today. So... We've been in the, this series, uh, God at the Movies, and we started this series back in June. We started with Star Wars, The Force Awakens. The second week, we looked at the Lego movie. We took a week off uh, for our celebration last week, and today, we're going to look at a film that if you have not seen, I hope that today will encourage you to go see uh, this movie or to read the book that the movie is based on. But before we get into that, I want to read to you this passage that we're going to look at today. So John chapter 9, if you'll follow along with me there in in your Bible. I'm going to begin at verse 13. And what you need to know is in the verses preceding this in chapter 9, Jesus has just healed a man who had been born blind. So what we're going to look at is the aftermath of that. What happens after this miraculous healing? Verse 13, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been born blind. Now remember, the Pharisees uh, were essentially the adversaries of Jesus throughout the Gospels. These were the guys who were really concerned about making sure you followed all the rules. I mean, these are the guys that you wanted to invite to your party. They were, they were the fun guys, right? They want to make sure you followed all the rules. And so they come, they want to know what's happened uh, with this guy. So the blind man is brought to them. And listen to verse 14. Here's the problem. 
Now, the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes, that's how the healing happened, was a Sabbath day. So this is the problem. It's a Sabbath day where you're not supposed to work, and Jesus has done a work. He's healed this man. And so the Pharisees, rather than being excited about the fact that a man who couldn't see yesterday can now see, they're a little concerned about this technicality. What, how did he do this on the Sabbath day? Therefore, verse 15, uh, the Pharisees also asked him, him refers to the blind man, how he had received his sight. So they want an explanation. Explain to us exactly what happened. Here's what he says. He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and now I see. There you go. That's my explanation. That's what happened. He put mud on me, I washed my eyes, and now I can see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. How can he be from God if he doesn't keep the Sabbath? He's not following the rules. But others said, how can a sinner perform such signs? So, okay, yeah, he broke the Sabbath law, but this is pretty incredible what he did. How are we supposed to understand this? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes that he opened. Verse, uh, continuing in verse 17, the man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. So now they go to mom and dad, and here's the question. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? Verse 20, mom and dad, we know he is our son, and we know he was born blind, but how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, (laughs) they say. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. Jump down with me to verse 24. So they go back to the blind man. Verse 24, second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth. And here is what he says. Uh, They say, we know this man is a sinner. Verse, Verse 25, he, the blind man, replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. Here's what I do know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. That's my explanation. Mud, water, sight. Yesterday I couldn't see anything. I've never been able to see anything. Now I can see. And that's all I know. I don't know how it happened. I don't know what he did. I don't know how he did it. But yesterday I couldn't see. And today I can see. In March of this year, Miracles from Heaven uh, was released. Uh, Miracles from Heaven, which is based on the book of the same title uh, by Christy Beam. Uh, many of you, uh, I know some of you have probably not seen this movie, so I'll tell you a little bit about uh, the movie uh, and, and the book. Uh, to give you a sense of what this story is about, uh, I want you to watch the trailer for the film. Let's see that now. Benjamin Franklin. An investment in knowledge pays the best interest. Okay, listen to your teachers. Love you. Love you. It's a good life. <laughs> it's a good It's a good life. Mommy. 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 I'm coming. Mommy. <laughs> oh no. Baby. 
Hannah got sick, I just couldn't understand it. Why was this loving little girl going through this? I think your daughter is lactose intolerant. Acid reflux. Everything looks okay. Everything's fine. Everything is not fine. There's something wrong with our little girl. Mrs. B, you need some to more I'm not leaving this hospital until I know what's wrong with my daughter. Unfortunately, the tests confirm that she's very ill. There is currently no cure for Anna's condition. Doctor, please, this is our little girl. I'm scared, Mom. Me too. We're not giving up. Like a small boat on the ocean. We need a solution. We need it now. And we'll get it. How? By not losing our faith. How long have you been married? 14 years. Free her from this. Can you even hear me? This is my So you're telling me that when this baby girl fell 30 feet, she hit her head just right, and it didn't kill her, and it didn't paralyze her. It healed her. Yes. Well, that's impossible. This is a little hard to believe. There's a lot of people out there that are just looking for publicity. A lot of people think we're crazy. You either roll with it or you get rolled on. He told me I'd be fine. Who told you you'd be fine? Miracles from Heaven is the true story of the Beam family, Kevin Christie, Annabelle, Adeline, uh, and Abby, uh, and their journey through their daughter Annabelle's uh, rare and incurable disease. The diagnosis of that, uh, which again, because the disease was so rare, it, uh, as you saw from the trailer, it was very hard to, to determine what exactly it was uh, that was afflicting uh, their daughter. Uh, this family is actually from uh, Burleson, Texas, and when they finally found a diagnosis, they made their way to Boston uh, to meet with one of the only doctors here in America who deals specifically uh, with the disease uh, that Annabelle had. Uh, for years, uh, Annabelle struggled with this disease and the debilitating effects of it that, that stole from her, that diminished her, uh, her, her life uh, and, and, and the quality of her life. Uh, they watched their little girl suffer. Again, making that trip every few months or so to see the doctor, to receive treatment, uh, not knowing what the outcome would be. Uh, and and, and in the midst of this story, uh, Annabelle was, on one of her good days, was out with her sister Abby, her older sister. She was climbing the the large tree that's in the front yard of uh, the Beam family's home. And what the Beam family didn't know is that the tree was actually diseased. It had become hollowed out over the course of time. And so there on that branch, when it broke, Annabelle actually fell into the hollowed out tree. She fell three stories uh, into this tree. Eventually, uh, firefighters came to the scene and rescued her from this. She was care flighted to Cook's Children's Hospital. Uh, she was treated there, and surprisingly, she was released with only minor scratches from this near-death experience. 
In the weeks that followed, what Kevin and Christy noticed is that the symptoms of her disease, this, this again, this disease that had stolen her quality of life, that had left her most days just laying on the couch with a, a heating pad over her, her stomach, those, those symptoms began to diminish. Uh, and eventually, uh, as she continued to improve, they made their way to Boston to, to see the doctor again, to figure out what exactly was going on with their daughter. But perhaps the most amazing thing was what happened uh, when they were bringing Annabelle home from the hospital right after the fall when she'd been released from Cook's Children's Hospital, what Annabelle very matter-of-factly shared with her parents about this, this tragic experience of falling into the tree. She, she told Kevin and Christy on that car ride home that she went to heaven, and she sat in the lap of Jesus, and Jesus told her that everything was going to be okay. When they made that trip uh, to Boston many months later, they were even more amazed to hear from that doctor who had treated her for years that though he had no explanation for it, the disease that had afflicted Annabelle's body was gone. And six years later, Kevin, Christy, Annabelle, Adeline, Abby, they have no explanation for what happened to their daughter and sister other than what the doctor said to them that day, that Annabelle experienced a miracle. Now, that brings us to this question I want to ask you today. What do you do with a miracle? What do you do with a miracle? Now, notice, I want to make sure you understand, the question is not, do you believe in miracles? That's a fair question. If if you're going to spend any time invested in this book and and reading the story of Jesus and and what we find here, that question's going to come up. I mean, you're going to have to wrestle with that. Do you believe in miracles? What do you think about episodes like this we find in John 9 where Jesus heals a man where, according to the Scriptures, had been blind his whole life? What do you you think about that? That's a fair question, but it's not not the question for today because it wasn't the question for Kevin or Christy. The question was not, do you believe in miracles, but what do you do with this unexplainable new reality in which they were now living? Same question that this blind man had had to address and his parents had to address. Not, do you believe in what happened, but given what you know now to be true, what do you do with that? What do you do with a miracle? And as you think about that question and what that question may mean for you in your life and how you would respond or how uh, you might be led to respond to an experience where something unexplainable happens in your own life, uh, I want to invite you today to hear from Christy. I had the chance to meet her about eight months ago uh, to go to Burleson uh, when the movie premiered, and, and Christy was gracious enough just a few weeks ago to come by the church uh, and to share uh, with us, our entire congregation, about her response to this question and what led her to share this story. Let's watch this now. I'm Christy Beam, author of the book Miracles from Heaven, and mom to three amazing, beautiful girls, Abigail, Annabelle, and Adeline. So initially, God laid it on my heart to write a book about Annabelle's journey. I I audibly said out loud, no, God, I don't do things like that. I'm not a writer. Um, And I went on. 
And then it wasn't but a few days later I met a friend for lunch that I hadn't seen in 15 years. And she knew about Annabelle's story. And she sat down and literally the first thing out of her mouth was, Christy, God has laid it on my heart that you need to write a book about Annabelle's journey. And I almost fell out of the booth. Like I hadn't told anyone God had laid it on my heart. I couldn't believe it. So we talked about it and um, then I left there with even a deeper weight on my heart that I needed to do this. And then we met back a month later and I still had done nothing. She sat down and the second time she said, Christy, it's not a matter of if, God wants to know when are you gonna get started. And I was so overwhelmed that I left that lunch meeting with her and went and bought a laptop and started writing. And it just poured from my soul. And when I finished, I thought, God, you are so good. I did need that. And he said, I'm just beginning, child. And I honestly felt in my heart, if I didn't share our story, it was selfish. Because it really isn't our story, it's God's story that he was trying to tell through us. And so I decided then, you can't quiet the Lord. I mean, he's going to tell his story. And then it took off. It turned into a New York Times bestselling book that is the fastest book to screen in cinema history. And it has given so many people from all over the world immeasurable hope. There was a, a girl in um, Pakistan, and um, because of the conflict going on there, she was separated from her mom, and there was no ability to reunite. And she was just talking about how she had just given up hope and that she was just really sad and depressed and in a dark place. And she said, you know, reading your story, I know God has a plan. And if it's God's will, I'll be able to reunite with my mom one day. And um, I can't imagine being a young girl and being separated from your mom like that with truly no concept of whether or not you'll ever see her again in your life. But she got hope from our story. And if we can do that with our story, everybody can do that because everybody has a story. And I think it's so important to share those stories and encourage one another because that's what we need. We need hope. I realized more than ever through everything that God has a plan for everybody. And He isn't just working. He's intimately working with us. And we can either choose to see that or we can choose to observe that. But I know now that I want to intimately work with him. And um, no matter how dark things get for me and how much I struggle, I still know that he is faithful and that ultimately he has a plan. And that gives me such peace to know that. And I believe that concrete now, whereas before I knew of that as an idea, but now it's concrete. Like I lived it, I know it. Whenever we were in our struggle and we were in our challenge, I had my head down and I put one foot in front of the other and I just pushed through every day just to get through it. And when I finished with the book and I looked back, I could see all the miracles that were going on around me, all of God's acts of faithfulness, all the people he had placed in our lives, all the prayers that were said for us and Annabelle. And I regretted that I missed those. And so now I truly tell others, and I do it myself, in times of trial and struggle, look up, look up, for he is faithful. 
and he does have a plan for you and he is working intimately with you. Don't miss it. I want you to hear this scripture again. John 9, verse 25, the response of the blind man, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. What do you do with a miracle? Let me, let me offer to you just three thoughts that, that you might uh, add to this reflection of how we speak and give voice to the way in which God is at work in our life. Here, here, here's the first thought. The first thought is that God is always uh, up to more than we can see or we can imagine. God is always up to more than we can see or imagine. Did you, did you hear that in Christie's story? That when she took the time after the fact to, to sit down and to record all that had happened over the course of many years, uh, the course of, of years of, of treatment and, and prayers, hoping uh, that, that something would occur, the, 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 the course of time of experiencing this miracle and the years that followed, when Annabelle continued in this, this new health, looking back, she could see the many ways that God had been at work in their lives, through the lives of so many. And isn't that true for you as well, that in your life there are people working in, in partnership with God, bringing you love and grace in ways that we often do not see and appreciate until we look back and recognize that at that moment of celebration, there were people there to to, to celebrate with us. And in that moment of darkness, there was someone there to sit, to sit there with us and to, and to grieve with us. That, that God's work of grace and love and, and building us up is not only something that we experience when a miraculous healing happens that is something that we have prayed for, but that God's grace is also at work in, in that moment where what we had hoped would never occur in our life happens. When tragedy strikes, when we lose someone that we love, but the people of God in partnership with God show up for us to share love and grace. And just as people have done that for you, here's the flip side of that. Each and every day, what that means is you have opportunities to work in partnership with God to plant a seed of hope and faith into the lives of others if we will only see those opportunities and embrace them and step into that moment to be in, in partnership with what God is doing in the world. God is always up to more than we can see or imagine. He, here's the second thought. There is no such thing as my faith. Now, this may hit you like, I don't know about that. What, is that. what does that mean? We believe that faith is something that needs to be claimed. At some point in your journey, we, we, we pray that all, that all people who, who, who are connected here have a, have a moment of claiming faith for themselves to say, this is my life now. This is my story now. I want to live my life as a follower of Jesus, a deeply committed follower of, of Jesus and, and his ways. We, we, I invited you to pray that for our students this week who were serving, that those who, who were just now being awakened to the love of God at work in their life, that, that we would pray God would, would move in them, that they would move to a place of claiming that. We, we want that for all people, and yet we know that once we claim faith, what we are claiming is not something that belongs just to ourselves. We are claiming something that has been shared with us. And so when you think about your faith, whatever measure it may be today, I mean, you may think faith, oh, it's like right here, or maybe it's like right here. I don't know what it is. But whatever faith you may have today, my guess is that that faith is connected to someone. 
There's a name, there's a face, there's a story, there's someone you have seen, there's someone who has shared with you. There's a reason you showed up. There's a reason that you're here. It's someone who's loved you and blessed you and served you. And you carry that faith. You hold that faith not as something that is meant to be owned, but as something, a gift you are meant to steward well so that you can do for someone else what someone else did for you. Planting that faith and that seed of hope and and seed of love in their life. One of the things that I hope you heard last week, it was subtle in what I shared with you and what Mike shared with you. And this is something that I, you know, I don't know how I could verbalize this to you in a way that would make sense, but, but I hope you heard that in our story of sharing life together and ministry together for these last 11 years, there were things that God was planting in Mike's heart and there were things that God was planting in my heart And the only way that those things for either one of us were going to make sense is if we shared that with one another, like two puzzle pieces. Isn't that amazing how God does that? He he plants this seed here and this seed here, but it's only in the sharing with one another that that the full understanding of what God is doing in our life happens. There's no such thing as my faith, which means that growth in our faith together it happens when we share and give voice to how God is at work in our life. We hear from others and have the opportunity to speak that into the lives of others, which leads to this last thought, that hope is meant to be shared. Hope is meant to be shared. First Peter 3.15, this is a verse I hope you will look up uh, when you go home today. Uh, I, I hope uh, if you didn't bring your Bible today, you'll find 1 Peter 3.15 and you'll underline this verse. Maybe even commit to memorize uh, this verse. Here's what 1 Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared to give an answer to those who want to know about the hope that you have. Now, do do you hear what's implied in the verse? What's implied is that the hope that lives within you should be so evident in the expression of your life that others will wonder, what is up with them? (laughs) That others will see something in you. They will see a measure of hopefulness, of love, of grace. They will see a measure of something that is so different from what they see in others that the question will come up. What is it that is different about you? Where does your hope come from? One of the things that I love about what our, what our kids got to do uh, this week and, and to be an observer, to see what happens in them in a moment, uh, an opportunity like, uh, like United Mission Week, is that they have the opportunity to experience one of the truths of faith that receiving is not near as exciting as giving. And that the receiving of grace, the understanding of that is often elevated. I use the word, that was the theme elevated when we share that with with others. Hope is meant to be shared. Here's one of the things I want you to hear about about Christy. Christy's just a normal person. She lives in Burleson, Texas. 
She, she's, she's someone who you might pass in your everyday life. If she walked into the room, you wouldn't go, oh, it's Christy Beam. She's written a book. And she had no idea that when she sat down to record this story and put it in this format, that one day a, a, movie, a movie company would call, that this story would be shared, and yet because she did, because she did, Hope has been shared all over the world. I, I hope, I want to challenge you, if you've not read this book, we have copies available for you. I'd love for you to pick this up. If you haven't read a book in a long time, this would be a great book to, to start with, okay? To, to come back to this whole book reading thing. If you need a book for the summer, I'd love for you to check this out. I've read it. My wife has read it. My 12-year-old daughter has, has read it. It's a great story of hope renewed and hope share and you in your life every day have the opportunity to participate in that just as Christy has. Will you embrace that opportunity to share the hope that lives in you? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, today we give you thanks for the miracles that surround us every single day. For the, the many ways, Lord, in which we have seen and experienced and appreciated that love and grace at work in our life, even as we recognize, Lord, that there are so many other ways in which we have missed that. And so today, Lord, I, I pray for myself and for our brothers and sisters that you would fill us with a sense of awe and wonder at all that you are doing in our lives and doing in our world. And Lord, give us attention, eyes to see and ears to hear the ways in which we might participate in sharing the hope that you have planted in us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.